This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealu, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. So we don't do it a lot, but every now and again, we will take this show on the road. And that's exactly what we have done this week. Live from Indianapolis, the 2024 Scouting Combine is where this week's Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats, is taking place. Unfortunately for my two co-hosts, there just wasn't any room for either Paul Calvisi or Kyle Vandenbosch to make the trip out Mm. to Indianapolis. Mm. So my apologies to both of you, and more so to you, KVB, because now you're stuck with Paul by yourself for a full hour. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's tough being in here with Paulie, Mm. but uh, I I heard you're lacing up the tennis shoes and you're going to get your 40 time there, Craig. (laughs) I don't even know if I'd – I don't know if I'd break a five or a five and a half. <laughs> no, at this point. You, you wouldn't. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I appreciate that, Paul. It, it would be six plus. I don't. You're a long strider, but that's not going to help you. I can tell you that right now. Run, gree, run. That would not happen and would not be to your advantage. Although we'd love the video, it would go viral. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, don't need to see that. No. By the way, the biggest news is you'll appreciate this, Paul. It's the weather. We landed Monday night, 71 degrees. It's now the same temperature wow. as it is Whoa. in Tempe right yeah. now as we speak here on this Tuesday morning. I don't care how good the weather is. If you're talking about the weather, that means there's not much else <laughs> going on, and that's simply not the case. I mean, come on, Craig. We need answers out there. What's the vibe? Are the Bears going to trade away number one? Are they going to trade away Justin Fields? What's going on? How about the Cardinals? Of course they're taking Bo Nix, number 27. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, it's already flying around, and they haven't even hit the field in the three-cone drill yet. Come on. We will hear from, or I should say, GM Monty Austin Ford is scheduled to speak to the assembled media here coming up at the bottom of the hour. Later on this afternoon, it will be head coach Jonathan Gannon, and hopefully we'll get some updates on what Monty has to say here because the last thing a lot of general managers and head coaches want is to make any real news. The Chicago Bears, no news as far as what they do with Justin Fields. Sean Payton at the podium earlier this morning, no news as far as what's going to happen with Russell Wilson. But that's their problems. We deal here with the Cardinals, and a year ago we did have a chance. This was the first time for Monty Austin Ford as a general manager to be in this offseason and really prep and form a team that he envisions last week on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM with Bickley and Murata. Austin Ford on this year's offseason prep compared to last year. Last year was such a whirlwind. You know, everything was new, and um, I had really been here for about a month last year, and we were a couple weeks into having JG on board. And so, you know, we were trying to play catch-up, and we were, you know, trying to implement processes. And so this year, processes and timelines are now laid out in the order that they should be laid out in. All of those logistics and all those concerns, 
Kyle, they're done. And now it's just mainly focused on the field as opposed to all of that off-the-field stuff a year ago. JG still didn't even have a complete staff at this time. So now you can really focus on the X's and O's. Yeah, I, I, you know, and he talked about it last year, just about how he, um, by this time this year um, he should have everything in place, both his processes and his people. And, and we've seen changes all throughout the season um, and into this offseason, changes in his scouting department, changes in, you know, some of his staff. Um, but, it, you know, you, you get excited because, um, it, you know, just on his track record from last year in the draft, some of the people he brought in in free agency, how he handled – um, you know, a, a lot of key decisions since he got this job. And now that it's everything is set up his way, um, and, and you have to think that in his interview process before he was hired, that he laid out a very detailed plan, that he had a great idea of how he wanted things to go and some of the people he wanted around him and how to split up some of the responsibilities. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see what this next, you know, month to two months looks like and how this team continues to take shape and, and form more of what both he and JG envision for this Cardinals team for next season. I mean, Craig, you know, let Monty cook, but he was in someone else's kitchen last year. He didn't have all his utensils. He didn't know how his oven worked, okay? Now he has the home field advantage. Now he can truly get in there. He revamped the evaluation system, how the Cardinals grade players. It's more accustomed to what he was used to those 15 years in New England. So let Monty cook. He has his own cookbook right now, his own recipes, his own ingredients. So I think we're really curious, to Kyle's point, exactly what that means, especially when you're armed with 11 picks more than any other team, six picks in the first three rounds. Uh, everyone is real curious. And, and I wouldn't be shocked if that becomes more picks because we know the New England way for how many years was to trade down and maximize picks. And if that happens again, especially if there's that fourth quarterback, and to look out, J.J. McCarthy, QB rising, uh, who knows exactly what he's capable of. And then you also factor in free agency. The salary cap has been set in place, and the Cardinals, yes, they're flush with cash, as is a lot of teams. But you get the sense that Monty really focuses in on the draft as far as building a team. Yes, free agency is before the draft, but if you want sustained success in the National Football League, you have to build through the draft. With that in mind, earlier I had a chance to speak with NFL Network's lead draft analyst, Daniel Jeremiah, on the Cardinals, on where they are positioned. Paul, you mentioned it, 11 picks, but right now most top of mind is having that fourth pick overall. It's an awesome position. Yeah, I mean, it's pole position because they're literally – more than likely going to get their pick of any other position in the draft. It's your choice. And and if you want to auction it, if you feel like you want to auction it, you might have a chance to do that. Full interview coming up with Daniel Jeremiah, myself, and Danny Sarek here on Cardinals Cover 2 on Wednesday. But you look where the Cardinals are positioned at number four, at number 27, Kyle. And right now, all the mock drafts have quarterbacks going one, two, and three. So to Daniel Jeremiah's point, Kyle, Cardinals can sit there and take the number one position player outside a quarterback if that's what they so choose to do. Yeah, this is the value of having your franchise quarterback in place. Um, this is how you build a team. I mean, it's there's no question um, Kyler Murray is the quarterback of the present. Kyler Murray is the quarterback of the future. Um, now it's just a matter of adding talent around him, um, adding some pieces on offense 
to you know accentuate his talents, what he does on the football field, help him have more success in this system and add players that fit this system. And then on top of that, you know, there's plenty of spots on the defensive side of the ball where there could be upgrades, where there can you can add, you know, some really talented players, some young players or even free agents, uh, vets that have have proven it. Um, So, yeah, again, um, you know, there's so much mystery and intrigue and, you know, smoke screens being thrown up right now. But um, uh, just based on the things that Monty and his staff were able to do with a limited amount of preparation last offseason, um, it gives you full confidence in in how he operates and the decisions he's going to make and the players he's going to add to this team. And, and you know, it's I, I think a lot of times uh, just because of how much of a crapshoot the draft process is and um, the risks involved with free agency, I think fan bases sometimes are on the edge of their seat, um, you know, a, a little bit worrying about what could go wrong. Um, but, uh, again, I think this fan base is fully behind Monty Austin for it because of how he's handled things since he's walked into this building. You know, Craig, double ding on the uh, interview there with Daniel Jeremiah. He's probably the most sought-after draft analyst these days, so very well done on that front. Looking forward to hearing the entire interview. I will say that when he did a conference call last week, uh, there were a number of questions about what would a team net by trading out of the top three? For example, New England. A lot of speculation will New England trade out. So I'm going to apply that to the Cardinals because here's what he said. If the Raiders, for example, wanted to come up from 13 up to number three, according to Daniel Jeremiah, it would require their 13th overall pick plus their first-round pick and third-round pick in 25 and a first-round pick in 26. If Minnesota wanted to come up from 11 to 3, so I'll apply this to the Cardinals at 4, it would take number 11, first-round pick in 25, first-round pick in 26. So to come full circle to your point earlier, look, either the Cardinals get the number one position player in this draft or if a quarterback falls to number four, one of those big three quarterbacks, guess what? I think Monty's phone is ringing in that Cardinals war room, and there would be an – you talk about Monty Hall – there would be a bonanza of first-round picks for that franchise quarterback. And there is a quarterback tax if that's what a team is moving up for at pick number four. And then as we've heard a lot of analysts, including Daniel Jeremiah, talk about next year's quarterback draft class. 2025, not nearly as good as 2024. Are you more, are you better to select a quarterback now as opposed to perhaps waiting until 2025 nfl scouting combine here in indianapolis the on-field drills on nfl network begins on thursday runs all the way through sunday first up defensive linemen and linebackers on thursday dbs tight ends on friday running backs quarterbacks and wide receivers get the stage on saturday then offensive linemen on sunday we continue our coverage from the scouting combine This is the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. With the 41st pick in the 2023 draft, the Arizona Cardinals select B.J. Ojolari, linebacker, LSU. 
All right, so one of the top edge rushers still available is going to the desert. Yeah, listed as a linebacker, but he's going to stand up on the edge. That's what he did at LSU. This is back to more of a loose, fluid rusher, a really good athlete in B.J. Ojolari. Obviously, his brother Aziz Ojolari, already with the Giants, is a, a really solid pass rusher. Again, loose and active. He can bend and close. Once he gets to the top, he can bend, and then there's a burst that he possesses to close and finish. Flashback. Ten minutes ago when the Cardinals with the 41st overall pick in the second round, as you heard, Cardinals Ring of Honor member, Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams with the announcement. Daniel Jeremiah with the analysis. The Cardinals selecting a two-year starter, two-time team captain, and edge rusher in B.J. Ojolari. Year one, not too bad, four sacks, but really, Kyle, showed up late in the season as far as playing time. In fact, played the most snaps and the highest snap percentage in that Week 18 game against the Seattle Seahawks. So you saw a little bit more out of Ojolari, who, remember, a year ago was still battling injuries and kind of got off to a slow start by design as far as what this Cardinals front office wanted to see out of their second-round pick. Right, and, yeah, you really got a glimpse of – both his potential and his ability more in the latter part of the season as he played himself into shape as he um, you know start things started to slow down for him you start to see him in the backfield more consistently uh, beating tackles more consistently getting pressure on the quarterback more consistently and um, you know you can only assume that with a healthy offseason with a full offseason of work with uh, a full training camp uh, this year that um, he's only going to keep his arrow is going to keep pointing up um, just based on his ability. And I thought, you know, his Daniel Jeremiah's analysis uh, pre-draft of him was exactly the player we got. You know, he's he's fluid. He bends well. Um, he finishes after he beats the blocker. Um, all those things are good. And all those things are are assets that if he continues to improve and develop his pass rush plan, um, it, it's it's something this team sorely needs. Um, you know, there's there's no question that whether it be through free agency or through the draft, um, this team needs to find players that can get pressure on the quarterback and get sacks. Um, but, you know, a lot of that may come from players already on the roster, and, and this is a player that I think will make a huge leap from year one to year two. You know, Craig, it kind of reminds me of Zach Allen after his rookie year, need to put on some weight, maybe get into NFL shape because his offseason last year coming out of college was – hampered and hindered by injury, a couple of different injuries. You know, maybe he wasn't at his best, but there's still that upside. And we all know the importance. It's quarterback. It's get to the quarterback. We talk about it ad nauseum. The latest I saw, Next Gen Stats threw something out recently that 12 of the 14 playoff teams this year finished in the top half of the NFL in pressure rate. So if you're the Arizona Cardinals, there's two areas I think you have to improve. Both run defense. Number one, run defense. You were last. And number two, getting to the quarterback. And we know there was just one sack in the final six games. So I think that's definitely on the to-do list of Monty Asenfort this offseason. Yeah, the Cardinals ranked 29th in pressure rate, according to Next Gen Stats. And to your point, Paul, it's about affecting the opposing team's quarterback. And whether that's one player or two players, this Cardinals team, and again, do it in the draft, do it in free agency, but 33 sacks, which was 30th in the league a year ago, I know sacks don't always tell the story, but they do tell how often you're getting into the backfield, and I don't think we saw that enough, especially those final six weeks. No doubt. And look, there's two different ways to do it. You know, you can be like Steve Spagnolo in the Super Bowl and in key spots. You can dial it up and you can disguise a lot of blitzes. 
But you got to have a foundation in that front seven as well. And, you know, too many teams are too adept at, at welcoming the blitz. The Niners were one of them. The Rams were another one. Matthew Stafford loves it when you blitz. He's going to find the open guy. So you have to be able to get to the quarterback with four. And when it's on Nick Rollis to always dial it up, it just becomes too much of a liability. That's why you have to find the dudes. And if that guy is there, especially a number 27, if a Darius Robinson from Missouri, who really shined and balled out at the Senior Bowl, if that kind of guy continues his ascent here at the Combine, I would not be shocked if he's that guy. He's versatile. He can play inside and out, and he is really nasty and is skilled at getting into the backfield. No question, a position of need. Is it a deep position, though, when we talk about the draft? Again, we are here in Indianapolis, or at least I am. Paul Calvisi, Kyle Vandenbosch, both back in Tempe as we continue this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Where is this draft the deepest? Again, earlier today I had a chance to speak with NFL Network's lead draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah and asked him that exact question. College game is just spitting out wide receivers left and right. So we have a ton of wideouts. That's the, the, the deepest position in the draft. And I would say offensive tackles would be next. It could be a record-setting year for first-round tackles. I think that there's a chance we see eight. I think seven, I want to say, is the record. So it's a really, really good group. I don't know that this draft is a great depth draft. It's a. It feels to me like a three-round draft. It is really, really good for those three rounds, and those are probably the two deepest positions. Good news is Cardinals with six picks in those first three rounds. The full interview that myself and Danny Sarek had with Daniel Jeremiah all right, and there you go. That's the combine, and there's a lot going on right there. We'll reconnect with Craig Grealoux when we get a moment, but he's not kidding when it comes to that whole Daniel Jeremiah assessment. Uh, the two positions that are the deepest, whether it's receiver or it's tackle, guess what? Cardinals need to check a box in both areas, do they not? If you're Monty Ford, you have a question of left tackle right now. Might be Paris Johnson, but does that create a question at right tackle, especially with the late-season injury to D.J. Humphreys? And then, of course, the receiver. Who's wide receiver one on this roster, and does that guy come in the draft? In your opinion, Kyle Vandenbosch, how do you assess number four versus number 27? Can you wait because it's so deep to 27? Or if you identify a guy who you think is the guy, a future left tackle, I don't know, Joe Alt, is that worth taking still at four when there might be seven other first-round tackles available if you trade down? Yeah, that's. I'm glad I'm not the one making that decision. Uh, but, but to your point, yeah, we've been – uh, we've been talking about finding a receiver with size for several years now. I mean, we've we've had talent. We've had guys that can catch the ball. We just don't have guys, um, you know, that are your prototype wide receivers, guys that are 6'4", 6'5", that can go up in traffic and make the big catch, that have a huge catch radius. And it's, it's something that this offense has lacked, not just last year, but for a number of years now. And so you have those guys, not just at the front of the first, you have guys that will be sprinkled in through the first and early second that have that type of ability. But when you have the opportunity to take a generational talent at either tackle or receiver, um, you know, you've got to jump at it at four. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get the feeling just based on how this offense is, you know, how the offense was called, um, how they really leaned on the run game last year. Um, you know, you when you listen to JG, when you listen to Nick Rollis, when you listen to Drew Petzing, um, re- regardless of what they do at four, they're going to continue to invest in the trenches. They believe um, in physicality, um, and and it showed late in the season. Um, you know, particularly on the offensive line, the ability to 
really open up holes late in the season against teams, against good run defenses, against teams that were playoff teams. Um, and so if it isn't a tackle at four, if we trade down and have an opportunity to take one of those tackles a little bit later, or if we wait till later in the first round to take a tackle, I would expect at least one of those first two picks in the first round to be an offensive tackle. Because even if that player is not immediately ready to step in, um, one of the most underrated positions and positions of value in the NFL is a swing tackle, the guy that can play either side, a guy that, you know, because the the likelihood of both of your starting tackles being there for all 17 games is is very low. And you so many teams have to put that backup offensive tackle in and, you know, they're circled in meetings all week by the other team's defensive coordinator and their real liability. So um, depth um, and a potential starter and with the potential of having, you know, your starting left tackle and right tackle for the foreseeable future, that is a huge benefit for a franchise. Well, think about last year. You traded out a number three, went down to 12, came back up to six to get a franchise tackle, and Paris Johnson Jr. played every single snap. So with that in mind, and the fact that you're more than one player away, you need several position groups that you're going to have to bolster in this draft. Here's the GM, Monty Asenfort, last week on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports, Cardinals flagship, talking about how he's going to take a wide view of this draft. What we're going to do is we're going to evaluate the entirety of the draft and we're going to make the best decision when it comes to that pick, whether that's, you know, I think we showed last year, you know, our propensity is to, when that phone rings, we're going to listen. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have an opportunity to sit there and, and pick who we deem to be worthy of the fourth pick. And if the phone rings and somebody's got an offer for us to move up, to move back, like those are all things that we're going to consider. There you go, Monty Asaford on 98.7 FM last week. Craig Griolo in Indianapolis at the NFL Draft Combine and Monty is scheduled to meet the media today, so we'll see if we get any more insight into that. But the fact, Craig, that the Cardinals, you know, you can look at them and say, all right, corner, tackle, center, wide receiver, D-line, I truly think he lets the draft come to him, especially armed with that many picks. You have so many needs, Paul, that at this point, yeah, you always hear best player available, but I really do think that's the case with wherever the Cardinals are selecting. And you always hear more bites of the apple. You want as many different draft picks as possible, as many different chances. These are all lottery picks, and you never, not all lottery picks are successful. You don't always win each and every time. But the Cardinals with 11 picks, dare I say, maybe trying to get some more, maybe especially on that day two, early in day three, trying to build up this roster not only on the offense, but defense, and then what we saw a year ago in the draft room. You referenced it earlier, Monty Ossenfort, from 3 to 12 to 6, and then watching that in Cardinals flight plan, just how calm Monty was during that entire time. Here's owner Michael Bidwell last week on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports. Bickley and Murata talking about what he saw in the draft room. What he did last year demonstrated he's a true pro. Uh, he absolutely handled that thing masterfully as if he was a 10-year mm -hmm. veteran general manager. And the amount of plates that we had spinning while we were on the clock was just remarkable. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. And I'd seen a lot of trades go down uh, throughout my lifetime. But that was amazing. And this right now here in Indianapolis, Kyle, that's where a lot of these conversations can now really take place, maybe some over the phone before you arrive to Indianapolis. But now you've got general managers 
face-to-face, walking the halls, running into one another, and maybe tossing out a scenario or two that perhaps plants a seed for April. Yeah, that's exactly what happened last year. Um, new to the job, he had already had most of these conversations. You could see when, or you could hear him when he got on the phone. Hey, is that deal still in place? Um, that's not going to be enough. We need a little bit more. Um, and, and the best thing about where we sit, particularly with the fourth pick, is we are not a force seller or a force buyer. Um, you know, we don't have to. Uh, get rid of the pick. We're happy going right there, taking the best player available, possibly taking an elite wide receiver or an offensive tackle. But um, they will have a a player that will be able to contribute to this franchise immediately and for the foreseeable future at four. But since we are not a four seller, um, you know we can leverage teams against each other. We can take the best deal available, and if we don't like it, we just pick the player we like. You know we're not. Um, in a situation because of the amount of picks we have, because we have two first rounders, because we have six picks in the first three. I mean, we can just, you know, continue to build with those picks unless somebody knocks our socks off with an offer, like Paulie said. And then, you know, you can either uh, accumulate more picks in this draft and next year's draft or the following draft and really take advantage of the value that somebody is willing to give up to get up to that number four pick. I mean, Craig, the wide receiver spot is so deep. I could easily see the Cardinals trading out of four, going down to middle of first round, one of these teams desperate, right? They cash that in. Then middle of the first round, they go corner. They go edge. 27 overall, they get the tackle. There's so many tackles. And then at 35, they get, hey, I don't know, Oregon receiver Troy Franklin, 6'3", a burner. He's been the number one receiver for Bo Nix each of the last two years. I mean, he's a big play dude with a big frame, and he's an afterthought right now because of Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze. You might not get one of those elite three, but you could still really get a game changer, a playmaker, a receiver at 35 overall. And the game is won and lost at the line of scrimmage. Daniel Jeremiah, his brand new top 50 prospects, seven offensive linemen in his top 19. Is that where the Cardinals focus with pick number four? This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. They're going to send Cooks out to the left and two receivers to the right. Shotgun formation for Dak Prescott. Pollard to his left. Prescott the pass. Straight drop. Fires middle of the end zone. Picked off. Kaiser White with the interception. And that might do in Dallas. Wow, Kaiser White in the middle of the end zone. I don't know that Prescott ever saw him. Shock the world, Kaiser! Shock the world! What a great job dropping off into coverage. Dak Prescott trying to hit Brandon Cooks over the middle of the field, and Kaiser White picked it. Sealed the Cardinals' home win. First win for head coach Jonathan Gannon, 28-16. Cardinals with the victory. As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch, myself here in Indianapolis, side of the 2024 NFL Combine. By the way, GM Money Austin Fort addressing reporters as we speak. We'll give you the latest as it becomes available. But as we shift our attention from the draft to free agency, Kyle, money well spent when you talk about Kaiser White a year ago. He led the team in tackles despite missing the last six games of the regular season because of a biceps injury. But Kaiser White, not a lot of money was spent in free agency a year ago, but a big chunk of that went to Kaiser, and it paid off. 
Yeah, um, look, he was a home run to me. And um, he was a guy that JG had worked with and Nick Rollis had worked with that they identified not just his ability, not just, uh, I mean, we saw what he can do on a football field. He's sideline to sideline, brings a lot of energy, a lot of juice, um, he's, he's, but he's a culture guy. He knew what Jonathan Gannon was all about. Um, he knew uh, what uh, Jonathan Gannon knew what Kaiser White would bring to this locker room, the type of leadership, um, his work ethic, his energy. And, you know, they identified him as, as a guy that they wanted to bring here. And um, as far as Monty Austin Fort and his approach to free agency last year, you know, there's no guarantee it will be the same approach this year. But, um, you know, there is some inherent risk with free agency. Um, but but what he did was they identified uh, some undervalued vets, some vets that weren't maybe tier one free agency guys, which is where most of the money goes to, but guys that could step in, be rotational type players, both offensively and defensively, um, be role type players. Um, and, you know, that's the biggest thing with where this team is at now. Um, you know, I'm not sure that we're in a situation where we need to throw the bag at one elite player, whether it be an elite pass rusher, an elite wide receiver. Um, I, I think we just need to fill holes. Um, you know, if you can find a veteran cornerback that can be a starter, if you can find a veteran defensive lineman that can be a starter, if you can find either a starter on the offensive line or a rotational guy and you start to check some boxes and then you have a little bit more freedom in the draft to try to supplement where the holes still remain, where we can add a guy um, at, from the college level that doesn't have experience but can also be a rotational player that can maybe add um, some elite athleticism, um, then, then I think you, you know the team starts to really take shape for next season. There is money, though, available, Paul, because the salary cap for next season announced at more than $255 million per team. That is a significant jump. Now it jumps for every team. The Cardinals with more than $50 million in cap space. Are they going to use all of it? I don't know if that is the M.O. for GM Monty Austin Ford, but I do think it's going to be a little bit more active than we saw a year ago. Look, they also have to account for Kyler Murray and the cap hit $16 million last year, and this is the year where it bolts up significantly over $51 million in terms of your cap hit. So the fact you got a more than $30 million increase in the salary cap from last season to this season, that is opportune. That is great timing for the Cardinals. Doesn't mean, though, that they're going to head out and they're going to take a look at the 101 top free agents on NFL.com that came out this week. And so, yes, we can all dream about number one, Chris Jones, or number three, Josh Allen, or number four, Christian Wilkins, the big D tackle from Miami, Brian Burns out of Carolina, the edge guy, Legereus Sneed out of Kansas City. But odds are most of those guys are going to stay with their current teams. It's going to be the second tier. I'm with you guys. It's going to be the Kaiser White of this year, but if you can find that guy off the edge, if you can find that guy like the Bears when it got Montez Sweat, it really does just set your entire defense. So we'll see. Maybe they, they've identified someone out there who they can trust to invest in who they think checks that box. The word active in free agency, just what does that mean? Monty Austin Fort last week on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station talking about free agency with Bickley and Murata. 
we are definitely going to be active in free agency. You know, what does that mean? I can't spell that out for you right now. I don't know what that means, like, because we don't completely control that, right? There's a market and there's players that we think are going to be available right now that two weeks from now are not going to be available. So, you know, free agency is full of unknowns in that respect. And also, you know, there's dangers in free agency. You know, the nature of free agency is you end up overpaying. But ultimately, we're going to build this team and, and what we're going to be moving forward, we're going to build this thing through the draft. Even though there is money to spend, you just heard it. Free agency is you overpay. There are no guarantees, but there is money available. Owner Michael Bidwell on that, just that fact, last week with Bickley and Murata. I'd go back to the extension of Kyler Murray. You know, we started spending on the foundational uh, parts of this roster. And when you look at going into this this free agency period, uh, I don't know exactly where we're going to spend, but Monty knows he has the resources to go out there and get the job done. And so we've talked about that at length. Um, He's going to be smart about it. but we know we're close, and we also know that there have been some changes in the NFC West, and it's time for us to really take advantage of this opportunity. And there right there, Paul, is the caution. Yeah, just because there's money to spend doesn't mean it's going to be spent, at least maybe on a high-priced free agent where, according to Monty, it's, hey, let's build through the draft, and then free agency is about filling holes. You know, the best indicator of future performance, you know, would be the past, right? And so what did the Cardinals do? The most money they invested in last year was Kaiser White, but they knew Kaiser White from the Eagles. Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rollis, they knew him inside and out. They felt comfortable in investing in that free agent, knowing they weren't overpaying, knowing they wouldn't get a guy who would just go through the motions. And so I think the same thing applies here. Are they capable of paying big money to a guy? Sure. Are they willing? I'm guessing not unless they have certainty and not only the player, but the mentality that that guy fits this culture, that the guy is a dog and he's a baller and he'll come in and he'll lead the way. I think in that circumstance, yes, they would be willing to invest big money. And then you have to figure out who's going to be available, Kyle, because already earlier this morning here in Indianapolis, Ravens GM Eric DaCosta said, hey, if we can't work out a deal with defensive tackle Justin Matabuke, We'll franchise tag him. So all of a sudden, there's another one, much like a Chris Jones, who likely is headed back to Kansas City, another one of those need positions on the defensive line. But are those players available? Are they just going to be likely headed back to their original teams? We have a lot of needs. We do. And that's a product of just the nature of the NFL. Every year there's turnover on the roster. Um, you know, we have our own group of free agents that we have to work on bringing back. And, uh, you know, we have to see if there's other free agents out there that we think would be a better fit for us moving forward. So, you know, I do think that, hey, we have plenty of room for improvement. We're, we're never going to turn down good players. And so, like, I don't think we're in a position right now to say, hey, we're just going to target this. We're going to target that. We're going to go look at talented players that fit what we're trying to do, both culturally and also on the field. And, Kyle, teams are more apt to bring their own free agents back because it's the known rather than going out and trying to put someone in a system that maybe they're not quite familiar with. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. Like, uh, if you target somebody, if there's a player you really like, yes, you will pay, and you will even pay a premium. But the you know the, the risk is that 
you overpay for a guy. You you've got to find out. Um, you know, not you can't just even look at tape. Tape is huge, but you've got to find out how does this guy practice. You know, what is he all about? What motivates him? If money is this player's number one motivator, and he gets that big contract, what does that mean? What does his first year with your team look like? What does the second year with your team look like? Is he a long term fit, or does this guy just want to win? Does this guy want to help be a part of the culture, be a part of change, be a leader in the locker room, stand up in front of his teammates and take responsibility and own ownership of this team those are the type of players you want and those things are much easier to find with guys that have been in the league for a number of years you can you know you can talk to your friends around the league you can talk to former teammates of that player um, get a feel for what makes this guy tick is he somebody that is going to be a good fit just like again going back to Kaiser White um, you know he is the player example of of what Jonathan Gannon is looking for. You know, he and Buda Baker and, um, you know, you can see the building blocks on this team already in place. How many more building blocks can we bring? Can we bring in more leaders? And can we bring in guys that are going to bring other players around? Because let's not forget, um, with the number of draft picks this year, with the number of rookies that were thrown into action and played last year, this is still, regardless of what we do in free agency, going to be a very young team. And this team needs leadership. They need veterans that have been there, done that, possibly even had playoff success so that when this team turns that corner, when this team hopefully this year gets into the playoffs, they've got guys with that experience that some of these younger players can look to and lean on late in the season when the games matter the most. Here's what scares me, Craig, is that there's always that one team and that one player. And two years ago, it victimized the Cardinals, Christian Kirk. Got $18 million a year from Jacksonville, seemingly out of nowhere. So, all right, what does that mean for this year? Uh, you know, is that Hollywood Brown, who ended up number 24 on the NFL.com top free agents list? What does that mean? Is some team going to look at the film and go, wow, he should have had a lot better year than he did? And is some team willing to overpay? Never underestimate how some teams overestimate the impact free agency can have, and that's how they end up overpaying. Only takes one team. I don't think it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals when you talk about a splash in free agency, but we will wait and see. Free agency begins March 13th. We continue here in Indianapolis, the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. back to throw, lobs it near side, and what a beautiful grab by McBride. Kyler Murray just flicked a pee into a thimble. Looking deep, firing far side, and it's caught inside the 40 by Brown, down to the 30. Great throw by Kyler Murray. Just dropped the dime. Snap to Murray, and he's going to keep it running left. He's at the five, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Kyler Murray is back. The mighty. Kyler Murray. Three-step drop in trouble, moving to his left, and he spins away from a defender, running to the right at the 25, at the 30, at the 40, at the 50, and dives to the 45-yard line in Falcon territory, a first down gain of 13. That's the Kyler Murray we remember. So glad, gentlemen, that we do not have to worry about the quarterback position. Potentially three quarterbacks, one, two, three, dare I say, maybe four in the top ten. Cardinals do have their franchise quarterback. As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats, Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch. 
myself here in Indianapolis out of the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine. I mentioned, guys, that earlier GM Monty Austin Ford was going to address reporters here at 1130. Well, he has done that. And what did he have to say? Well, I bring in our colleague, Danny Sarek, here joins me from Indianapolis on what Monty had to say to the assembled media. How are you? I'm excited to talk with you guys about what we heard. So what He talked a little longer than normal, <laughs> full 20 minutes instead of the 15, which was pretty nice. There were a lot of people out there. So big takeaway from what Monty had to say. Big takeaway. Uh, too early for phone calls about whether or not the Cardinals are going to trade down out of that fourth overall pick or what they might be doing. Awesome Fort said that that's not going to come till April. He didn't want to make it clear they're going to make their own fair share of phone calls after proving last year they are willing to stay put. They're willing to trade down. They're willing to trade up. So lots of possibilities uh, out on the table. He did not get into, into specific uh, scouting reports. You know, there was one question asked about wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State. So Monty had a few good things to say about him, but did make it clear he wasn't gonna go, going to go into specific scouting reports. So not much more to bring back on that front specifically. And I don't think, Paul, that's any surprise. As a general manager likes to do, you kind of keep those things close to the vest. No doubt. Did anyone ask him, speaking of receiver and or offensive tackle, with those positions being so deep, so loaded, and Daniel Jeremiah reminded us of that in your conversation earlier, guys, did anyone ask him, does that mean the Cardinals might be more apt to wait a little bit later, either trade down, still get receiver or tackle, and or maybe take one at number 27? No, but but I, I do think that is a realistic option, Paul, because of the depth and the fact that wide receiver and offensive tackle are so deep and high needs for this Cardinals team that that you you would you know imagine that that would be a topic of discussion as the front office and the coaching staff and everybody is going through this evaluation process is that would make a lot of sense is it can make sense if you want to take a tackle at four if you stay there and and, a, and take a wide receiver at 27 or kind of flip-flop those as far as players currently on the roster and will be on the roster, or we hope will be on the roster this upcoming season in 2024, as far as the current state of the Arizona Cardinals, player-specific or any theme that Monty was asked about or touched on? Sure. Uh, I had asked about Zayvon Collins and that fifth-year option that's coming up. Cardinals will have a bit of time before they decide on that, and just asking if a year is enough time to have an evaluation to make that decision. Since Collins only moved outside, had one full year, one full year as a pass rusher, and and Monty said, you know, they, they haven't come to that decision quite yet. Uh, but he did like what he saw from Collins with that position change, who continued to make good strides, who played the whole year, and and does expect to see a big jump as Collins continues to get more comfortable. He said that when it comes to making a decision on those fifth year options, it's not just about thinking 2024. Also 2025 and the other specific players, yes, talked about Kyler Murray and, and the good feeling to feel confident in your franchise quarterback. Monty Asifor had nothing but good things to say about Kyler's performance and the confidence he gave this entire offense when he made his return. We did talk a little bit to uh, the general manager about the offensive line, DJ Humphreys, who tore his ACL late in the year and how his rehab is coming. Asifor said that it's a hard injury, unfortunate timing, but Humphreys is in the facility every Every day grinding through rehab and I asked about the versatility because right after the season ended in the locker room rookie right tackle Paris Johnson Jr. said he was going to train on the left side a little bit this year just in case that's where this front office the staff decides they want to see Johnson play 
next year, especially because we know, although we don't know how long Humphreys will be out, we know that he will miss a good portion of the season. And Monty Austin Ford said, like, he is all for versatility, especially on the offensive line, because the more you can do, the more positions you can play, the more valuable you are. So Austin Ford said that he likes the fact that Paris Johnson Jr. is training on both sides this offseason. On the subject of Zayvon Collins, let's bring in Kyle Vandenbosch. That jump from year one to year two, Kyle, we always talk about rookies, but how about players changing positions like Zaven did a year ago going from inside to outside? I, I think it'll be huge. I mean, the biggest thing, well, there's a lot of things that go into it, but it's just you see things differently. Things, you know, blockers are on you much quicker. Um, it, you know, when you're standing in the middle and off the ball, you've got time to dissect what is happening in front of you. And people aren't necessarily on top of you immediately. But when you are on the, uh, on the line of scrimmage, um, you, you know, you've got to make decisions quickly. You've got to engage quickly. You've got to figure out what they're trying to do immediately. And all of those things, um, you know, slowed down for him a little bit last year. Um, but you can expect it even more. And, you know, the other big thing was, um, you know, I, I think he was effective. I think he pushed the pocket. I think, um, you, you know, he he's strong enough. He's obviously has all the physical skills to get the job done as an edge rusher. Um, but he's just got to find his move. It took me several seasons to even figure out what my best move was and to perfect it. And then once you do that, then you can build a counter off of it. But um, to go out there and say, I've got a move that they've got to contend with, that they've got to figure out how to block. And, um, you know, he's got another full offseason to work on that and continue to, to develop his pass rush plan. Um, but I expect him to take a pretty big leap also in his second year on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, just three and a half sacks for Zabin a year ago. We'll see what that number perhaps looks like next season. Danny, good stuff. Appreciate it. We'll continue our coverage out here from Indianapolis all week long. Kyle, sorry you had to deal with Paul for the entire hour by yourself. That's all right. Stretch your hamstrings before you run. I'm gonna, I have a lot more questions for both of you and Danny on Cardinals Underground oh, and Darren boy. Urban. All right, we're going to put you guys to work so it's not all just play out there in Indy. Special thanks, everyone behind the scenes. Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Ali Narini. For Paul Calvisi, Kyle Vandenbosch, Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. It is caught by McBride, and it's a touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals football club. Oh.